Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest edition, episode five of the King and Pocket Aces show. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Aniano, Pocket Aces, and joining me as he always does with his king hat on and his Mets memorabilia behind him, the king of fantasy sports, my good friend, Mr. Scott Engel. Scotty, another episode is upon us. News all over the place. How you doing, my friend? Doing good. Good to see you with your... uh... With your Mets sweatshirt, looks like you and I are ready for spring training. Yes, yeah, I think we are. I think we're ready for the season to start. That is for sure. Guys, everybody out there, don't forget, head over to rotobola.com and check out everything there. The main page, premium package, expert chats, DFS, season long, you name the sport, we cover it at rotobola.com. Football, baseball, basketball, MMA, esports, PGA, Scott, and Sean Angle covering all the NASCAR there as well. And sign up for the MLB Premium Package. Get involved there. Use the promo code KING. Tell them Scott sent you or Aces. Tell them I sent you. All sorts of great content there at rotaballer.com. So make sure you sign up for all that. And check out this show and all the great shows on Rotoballer Radio right here uh, on Rotoballer's YouTube channel or wherever you listen to your Rotoballer podcasts. All right, Scott, let's get right into it, right? Fantasy baseball is knocking on the door. TGFBI, the labor drafts, uh, tout wars is underway in some formats. All of it is going on. People are signing up for their NFBCs. So tons of baseball happening. And last couple of weeks, I believe last episode, we broke down the second base position. Today, we want to take a look at the shortstop position. And for me, uh, uh, referencing the rotoballer.com shortstop rankings, you know, uh, the familiar names are there at the top. Fernando Tatis, Trey Turner, Trevor Story. Not really going to find much argument there. So let's get into where we may agree or disagree with some of these rankings. And that's the number eight ranked ranked shortstop on the rotoballer list. And that's... Scott, he's ranked number eight, but in my opinion, he is a one-trick pony, and I'm only drafting if I'm trying to win steals. Your thoughts on Alberto Mondesi? My personal rankings, which I can actually rattle off in a few minutes, Yep, I actually have number 10. Okay. Uh, if you're playing in an on-base percentage league, probably further down. He's going to kill you there. His on-base percentage in the last two years, 291 and 294. And he could get you, if he if he plays up to his potential, he could be 12 homers and 50 steals. He's what we used to see a, a lot more of, or a little bit more of a few years ago, in that he's that stolen base special that always gets pushed up to the board. Remember, it's, it's almost like a modern-day Billy Hamilton. Yeah, I, I, that's Hamilton. my comp every year. He's Billy he's Hamilton. Very, 
Billy Hamilton was very bad at getting on base too. You know, you you know the old overused cliche, but it's true that you can't steal first base. Uh, you know, you're hopeful of getting a batting average that doesn't absolutely kill you. That's uh, that's two fifty. He's got the potential to steal sixty bases, uh, maybe hit a dozen homers, like I said. But I don't even want him on an OBP league. If I'm playing in an auction, I'd rather bid up aggressively for Trey Turner and mm-hmm. totally pass on Mondesi or go for other types who are power-speed combinations, uh, like Tim Anderson, who I have ranked two spots higher than Mondesi, uh, even waiting real late and take a crack on a Leody Tavares, then spend a high pick on Alberto Mondesi. You feel like, I feel like you can take two, three players and build the stolen base Thank category, you. like... You know, one draft I did, you know, all Jose Ramirez, first round, uh, Starling Marte, third round, and then later on maybe somebody else who's who's more of a bargain, you know, and trying to get some – even throwing Cody Bellinger in there for like 10, 12 steals. There are other ways to do it. You don't need to lump it all into one shot with Mondesi. Now, some interesting numbers on Mondesi. It's a career – 29.7. Let's round it to 30% strikeout rate. Okay, it is a career. You kept bringing up his on-base percentage, Scott. He's got an on-base percentage of 284 for his career. Five seasons of major league at-bats. Only one of them was his on-base percentage, even over 300, and that was at 306. Okay, now, Ariel Cohen, off an Ariel ATC projections, has him at 52 stolen bases on the year. It's about 20 more than he projects anybody else. My take on Mondesi is you are, if you are drafting Mondesi, your goal, you need, it has to be to win the stolen base category. But at the same time, okay, you get 12 out of 12 points in a rotisserie league on stolen bases. What damage is Mondesi doing to your batting average, to your on-base percentage, and whatever other stats you have? He's going to score you some runs. He's going to steal you some bases. But he is, you said it, he is Billy Hamilton. And we saw how that worked out five, six, seven years ago. For anybody who drafted up for Billy Hamilton, you're falling into the same trap with Mondesi. Maybe a little more power than Billy Hamilton, right? Projected at about 15 home runs, has a career high of 14, more than Hamilton will ever give you. But my goodness, if your job is to get on base and run, Alberto Mondesi does a terrible job of half of that equation, Scott. Yeah, where's Billy Hamilton playing this year? Like his Sugarland Skeeters? Or no, something? he signed a minor league deal with somebody, but it, it, that, he's a 4 he's a 4A player at this point. That's who Billy Hamilton is. He, he's a backup outfielder who can run and play some defense. Just doesn't hit enough to to survive in this in the league. And and I hate to say it, but that's to me the the way Alberto Mondesi potentially is going to go. Now, Scott, another young outfielder, somebody we've mentioned on this show before, as he should be a Star Wars character, but that's Bo Bichette of the Toronto Blue Jays. Shortened season last year, he hit 301, had a couple of home runs. He's ranked higher than Alberto Mondesi on the Rotoballer rankings. He sits there at number four. He's actually ranked higher than Francisco Lindor, okay? Your thoughts on Bo Bichette being that high, the young player? 
Yeah, you sound you say it fast, and it sounds like a Star Wars character. It does. Boba like Fett, I said, Boba Shet. Boba Shet, Boba Fett, Boba Shet, right? <laughs> so, sounds like the same thing. A wonderful. We'll, we'll see him in the Mandalorian or something like there that. You go. But uh, you know, with both with Boba Shet, I wouldn't rank him above Lindor yet. You know, to me, Lindor is more proven is what you get of them both. You know, twenty twenty sort of guys, but. Uh, you know, I always lean towards the more proven player, although with Lindor, I think there's a minor concern about him going from the American to the National League and making an adjustment there. I know there's so much excitement about him, but, uh, you know, and I think I think he can handle New York. But, uh, you know, with 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 Bo Bichette, uh all the potential is there. He raised his launch angle there and uh, led to a better barrel percentage last year. And, you know, this is the year I think, you know, it all comes together and you really have the breakout and you have the nice batting average combination of power and speed that's really hard to match. Uh, you know, to, to me, the guy's an easy third-round pick and uh, top five. I, I have five spots ahead of Mondesi and uh, one spot behind Lindor. Yeah, so uh, Bo Bichette in in about 75 games in about – 400, uh, 340 at-bats at the major league level over 2019 and 2020. 16 homers, 8 steals, a 300-plus batting average, and a very nice on-base percentage. It's at 347 for his career on-base percentage. Doesn't walk quite enough yet, but with maturity, that will improve. But I love his strikeout rate for the most part for his career. Sits at 22.6%. Bo Bichette sitting there as the number four, number five. Let me ask you this now, though. Okay? I think we agree Tatis, Turner, and Trevor Story. You're sitting there in round three of a draft. Bo Bichette or Francisco Lindor? I think you said Lindor, yes? I don't think Lindor falls to round three in most drafts. Okay, so you're taking Lindor before Bichette. What about Xander Bogarts or Bo Bichette? Um... You gotta like Bogarts, even though the isolated power dropped last year from 246 to 212. Uh, you know he's still going to be a source of a really good batting average and a lot of pop. You know, hit 11 home runs in limited time last year. You know, with the limited season, I think there are concerns about that Red Sox lineup. He's still going to hit second. He's still their best hitter, but. Uh, you know, they, there are concerns about the lineup there. Uh, how much more will he be actually driven in when he gets on base? I think those are minor things with him. He's still a very good hitter. But to me, I'm going Bichette because of the speed. Mm-hmm. Even though Bogarts is more proven, I want the 2020 if I can get it instead of the 30 slash 5. Right. So that's, that's, so, you know, Bogarts profiles is a typical run producing, home run hitting. Shortstop. I mean, that 2019 season he had was unbelievable. A 384 OBP, a 309 batting average, strikes out 18% of the time for his career. And that 2019, I mean, just in run production, 117 RBIs, 110 runs scored, 33 home runs. Okay, career high of 15 stolen bases, but over the last three seasons combined, he's got 20. Now, last year in 56 games, he stole eight. So if Bogarts wants, he could push 10-plus stolen bases, over the course yeah, of the season. Yeah, I didn't mean to say 35. I said I mean to say 30 and a dozen. Right. So that that's that's where he more sits. Uh, but again, it's not anywhere near the possibility of the 25 stolen bases 
that Bull Bichette can potentially produce for you. Now, another shortstop who I think hasn't even seen his best days yet, Scott, is Corey Seager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Hit 300 last year, had 15 home runs. I still think Corey Seager can be a shortstop who a year from now we're putting in that top tier, in that type, top echelon of shortstops. Yeah, it's not crazy at all to say that. I mean, I don't know if we haven't seen his best yet because we think we saw it in the playoffs. He was a World Series MVP. Uh, but last year, coming into last year, a lot of people skeptical because he kept getting hurt. Mm-hmm. But then he stayed healthy last year, and he had his best average exit velocity and barrel percentage last year of his career. And uh, it comes with, I think, every reason for him to come in confidence this year and for fantasy managers to have a lot of confidence in him. Uh, you know, if he ends up, say, top four this year, uh, I would not be surprised. I would still want Lindor and Turner uh, because of the speed. Yeah. But he could be the top guy right, right outside of them this year. I mean, if I said to you his power and run-producing numbers – at the end of the season, were better than Bogarts or Trevor's story. Would you think I was crazy? No, I don't think it would be crazy because, uh, you know, look at the lineup he's hitting and the spot in the lineup he hits. Uh, it's a better lineup than Boston. But still, I want story because he gives me the speed. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm early in my draft or I'm spending money in my auction above $20, etc. cetera, I want those power-speed combinations. I don't want to throw it all at Mondesi and have him do most of the work. I, I want balance, and I want, I want to get four guys with balance if I can. So, you know, starting out with, say, a Jose Ramirez or somebody like that, and then moving on to a Tim Anderson, uh, you know, something like that, and, you know, then picking out, different steel candidates throughout the draft. Starling Marte, uh, you know, the, the kid from Seattle, Dylan Moore, you mm-hmm. know, who's got upside. Uh, even later on, you know, you're talking about John Birdie, he'll probably get some opportunities to play, even though he's not in the mix for the second base starting job. Plays all over the diamond. And I mentioned Leotis Tavares, eight, you know, very... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Very late on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's a way that you can tax speed throughout the draft if you're prepared. Yeah, I agree with you. You don't have to go all in on a Mondesi who is in that second tier of the road of all the rankings. But Scott and I agree uh, uh, a little of a risky move there taking him that early over some of the players he's ranked higher than. Okay, now what surprised me a great fantasy baseball invitational was like a 15 team league in my league. And I question whether we're saying the right thing because of who went the other direction. Nick Mariano, I believe, had number 15 overall pick. He took Mondesi at number 15. I I don't think Mariano's going to do it. 
I'm like, okay, you know, I question myself here a little bit. Well, I mean, is the theory behind that? So let's talk about that. Is the theory behind taking Mondesi there saying, all right, for the next 26 rounds, I don't even really have to go searching for speed. I'll get my guys who hit home runs and steal four or five bases. And yeah, I don't even have to look for it It's an extreme approach, now. but then you also have to change what you're going to do. Because, you know, what I've been doing in some of my drafts is I'll take a Jose Ramirez in the first round because it's, it's batting average, power, and speed. It's all the things that I want. Right. Uh, Starling Marte in the third round, batting average, power, speed. If I can get it, you know, he'll give me 280, 20, and 20. I did the same. I want to take something like that. But then where I'm going with this, though, is then by the time I get to the fifth round, I grab a Pete Alonso. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a drain on my batting average. I can't take Mondesi. If I know I'm taking Mondesi, then I can't roster Pete Alonso. I can't roster Joey Gallo. I can't roster Miguel Sano, you know, the, because when I look for those pure power types, sometimes they're going to take a drag on my batting average. So that's another reason I don't like doing Mondesi because I like getting a balance throughout. You know, I don't mind taking Reese Hoskins in double-figure rounds where he's fallen in some of my drafts. Yes. In, in, in tout draft and hold, I had a similar approach. I had uh, Trey Turner in round one. I had uh, Ozzy Albies in round three. Yeah, that's, an, that's another name I love. I'm all over yeah. Ozzy Albies. And then I did take Pete Alonzo, I think, in round four or round five, wherever it was, because I had a mix of power and speed and batting average for my top two offensive pieces. So now let me grab somebody who I know can just mash, and if he hits me 250, that's more than good enough because of how I started. Uh, yeah, that's how I did. I went – Great fantasy baseball invitational. I went Albies round two, uh, Starling Marte round four, and Alonzo round five. You had more than enough. See, see, here's the thing, too, and I say this all the time about speed, and stolen bases and saves I view very similarly when it comes to fantasy baseball. I don't need to win those categories, and I don't think I go into a draft looking to win those categories. Let me come in the middle of the pack, and then offensively, I want to dominate the power run production categories. RBIs, home runs, a good batting average, some runs scored. If I finish in the middle of the pack in, in stolen bases, then offensively my team fit the blueprint of what I wanted it to do. Pretty, pretty much, you know, that, that's, the, that's the way to go. I don't know yeah. if I can add anything to that. For the, for the first time in five shows, I think you've left me speechless. There you go. I, you know what? That's been one of my goals. So uh, mission accomplished. Shut up. <laughs> All right. Now, now, Scott, there's some shortstops, though, who, has, who have dropped in some rankings, and it surprised me. In that third tier of shortstop rankings, Javier Baez sits there at number 10. Glavar Torres sits there at number 11. I mean, Baez hit 203 last year, but is that a situation of recency bias, that shortened season? Are you overly concerned about Javi Baez, who just a year ago was going as early as the second round? Yeah, you know what? I'm doing my fantasy baseball insider series coming up here on Rotoballer, and I spoke to a scout that's done it for over 40 years, and it's something that I already knew, but he kind of like, you know, confirmed for me that last year, when guys got into funks, and this applies to Christian Yelich especially, but also to Javier Baez, is that 
it's very hard to get out of that funk in a shortened season because you go in a 30-day slump, you realize, wow, I only have half a season left and it's only 30, 30 games. You start pressing more. Mm-hmm. And then everything becomes a snowball effect. And before you know it, the season's over. You know, it's not like a regular season. You say, okay, I had a crappy first half, but I could do better in the second half. You don't have that luxury in a shortened 60 game season. So I think that's why you have to kind of a little bit write off what happened with Baez and maybe expect more of a rebound to the 2019 total. Yeah. I mean, a 32% K rate was essentially the high of his career since his rookie year. 203 was essentially a career low. I mean, the on base percentage, Scott, was, I mean, you got to work hard to get on base that little. I mean, it was 238, just a terrible season. But when you look at what he did in, in, in 2017 and 2018 and 2019, uh, you're seeing somebody who could potentially slide a little bit in draft rankings. Is that, is that going to be uh, Alberto Mondesi's OBP this year, 238? It's, it's, it's entirely possible. I mean, my goodness. Uh, when you refuse to draw a walk and you strike out 30%, you better hit the ball every time and, and beat it out. What about what about Claybaugh Torres, Scott? I mean, we see him here in the New York area. His power was gone last year, right? 243 with three home runs. But this is another guy who should be one of the best, better hitters in the American League. Yeah, it's an aberration. You know, it's uh... – he he didn't get thrown out in labor mixed until the middle of the draft. He went for eighteen dollars wow. in the labor mixed auction, and that's a good discount. I think, I think just about everybody across the fantasy industry and who covers the Yankees feels like Torres is in for a big rebound year. You know, another case of a season where you kind of got to you know give him a mulligan and say, you know, things just snowball on him in a bad way because. You don't, you're not going to see those kind of slumps over 162-game season. No. And, and you look at what he did last year, right? Now, 24 home runs as a, as a rookie, 38 in 2019, then down to three. But here's something I found interesting. For as bad as his season looked, he set a career high on base percentage. He set a career high walk rate. He set a career low strikeout rate. Okay, uh, I mean, all of those numbers stayed there. When you look at his hard hit percentage, it was the highest of his career last year at 38%. First two seasons was about 36.8%. So he hit into some tough luck as well at times. His approach didn't go bad. His approach was better than it had been in, in his career. Okay, just sometimes the baseball doesn't fall. And that to me is how I explain Glebar Torres' season three homers, 16 RBIs. 243, everything else about his season, hard hit rate, his approach, all looked good to me. And if people want to let Gleybar Torres fall to shortstop 11, the third tier of shortstops, my, if I could get him as the 11th shortstop off the board, I will happily sit back and wait for that, Scott. Yeah, I got him in the fifth round of my FSTA draft, and I was just very happy with that. You know, you think you give a great breakdown – as to why he will bounce back. And, you know, like a lot of the top fantasy analysts say, it's uh, you don't lose this. Maybe you lose the numbers for a little while, but you don't use, lose the skills. Yeah. Yep. Now, Scott, there are shortstops available who can maybe won't be a starting shortstop, but will fill some categories and maybe slide into a very nice spot as a middle infielder. 
One of them is a real talk graph and Josh Hayes' favorite, Paul DeJong of the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay, stays healthy. He's a 20-plus home run guy. Not many people drafting him as their starting shortstop. If you get him as your middle infielder, that's not bad. Rotoballer has Paul DeJong as shortstop 17. Yeah, with Paul DeJong, it's interesting. When I talk to ball players and I interview them, and if you bring up stuff like launch angle, they're like, uh, I don't pay attention to that. I, I just go out and hit the ball, you know, kind of <laughs> thing. Uh, but what, what's happening nowadays with analytics is, is the coaches, the staff, et cetera, will take the analytics and translate it to the player, and the player may make an adjustment based on that. So even they're, they're not sitting there like us going, uh-huh, his launch angle changed from this to this. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not doing that. But they are getting the information from the staff. And, look, I haven't spoken to DeJong on this, but uh, DeYoung on this, but uh, but DeYoung changed his launch angle last year. And, you know, he raised it. And it gave him a slightly better batting average, but he struck out a lot more. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot less power. You know, the isolated power went from 211 to 099. So, do you give him a mulligan? You know, not somebody that I think a lot of people believed in heading into last year anyway. Uh, so, you're probably going to get him late to see if he can rebound in power. And if he does, 245, 25 to 30 homers, something like that. That's kind of nice to get late. Is he going to make the adjustment? We'll have to watch him in the spring and see what, because raising his launch angle didn't work. Yeah. Uh, when I get into shortstop later on, though, uh, you know, and if I still need some pop and it's pretty late, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a crack, you know, on I'm- somebody like him, but I'd rather take you know, the new shortstop in San Diego, who's a combination of power and speed. Well, yeah. But, I mean, when you look at Paul DeJong, there What's is – What's his name in San Diego? I forget it off the top of my head. Tatis? No. The other guy. Oh, second baseman. The one from, one from Korea. Oh. Um, oh he, does, he qualifies at shortstop, I believe. Does he qualify at shortstop? That I didn't realize. I know who you're talking about. Yes. Um, now, so on to uh, uh, Dijon, you mentioned the strikeout rate. It went from 22 to almost 29%. Batting average did go up, but the power decreased. Here's the thing, though, with Paul Dijon, and I'm confident in his power. Four seasons in the big leagues, 25, 19, and 30 home runs over his first three seasons in the league. The power will play. Now, the batting average can be an issue. It's a career 251, career 25% K rate. But that's skewed by that almost 29% last year. Uh, that could be a little bit of an issue. Scott, my final shortstop here, uh, a nice little sleeper pick potentially for stolen bases. Andres Jimenez heading over to the Cleveland Indians, Scott, from the Mets in the Lindor trade. He's had eight stolen bases. You and I watched him with the Mets last year. Good little back, good glove. I think people are a little afraid of him, though, because there's Ahmed Rosario, this competition there. But is, is he in another situation, like you mentioned earlier, where you can piece together your stolen bases throughout the draft? By the way, I was talking about Hey Sung Kim. Yes, and, that's uh, it. 
you know, if I'm late in the draft for middle infield, like I got into round, I think it was 18 or 19 in uh, the great fantasy baseball imitational. And he was still there for a middle infield spot. And I took him, you know, okay. he gives me 15, 15 and hits 280. I'd rather get that than 240, 25. Out of Paul. That's a fair comparison. point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andre Simonez, eight stolen bases and 118.9 at 18, 108, eight stolen bases and 118 at bats. There you go. Last year. A sprint speed of 28.9, which would have ranked the top 6% of the league. We know the speed is there. The thing is, plate discipline needs a lot of work. He's a chaser. Uh, he doesn't walk a lot. I believe his walk rate was 5.3 last year. Uh, exciting kid, just 21 years old. But at that age, things could veer in either direction. The natural talent and speed is there. Uh, you know, he hits the ball pretty hard. His hard hit rate w w was pretty good. Uh, but how often is he going to make contact? He could play more than one position, although he could. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Be in line to start at shortstop. Exciting kid. Uh, but playing over a full season, there's going to be the old cliches, peaks and valleys. You know, what's the batting average going to be with a guy that's, you know, chases a lot, doesn't walk a lot. And how much does it hold down his speed when he's striking out and he's not walking a lot and he's chasing pitches? So there is definite upside from the athletic perspective, but in terms of plate discipline and approach, et cetera, he still needs work and he's just 21 years old. But I'll take him in the very late rounds, around, around 20 or 21, something like that for a little bit of speed. But I think he's going to hurt my batting average. Qualifies at second base, shortstop, and third base. Okay. Yeah, he's got the versatility. He had multiple positions. Strikes out about 21%. You said it. The only walks about 5%. Needs to get on base more. But a, ten, a, a situation where you could steal 20 stolen bases out of Andres Jimenez. Scott, not a lot of time left till we hit halftime. But I have one more question not related to the shortstop. And real, and real quick, I want to give you my top 10. My well, kids' was, top 10 shortstop. That was my next question. When you take a look at that shortstop position, what is your top 10? All right. I count it backwards. All right. Okay. Number 10. Aldoberto Mondesi. Nine. Gleyber Torres. Eight. Tim Anderson. I love Tim Anderson, actually. We didn't talk about him, but just a great hitter. Uh, seven. Corey Seager. 
Six. Xander Bogarts. Five. Bo Bobachette. Bobachette. Bounty Hunter. The Mandalorian. Number four. <laughs> Francisco Lindor. And then your top three. Number three. Trevor Story. Trey Two. Turner. Fernando Tatis. How many of those shortstops are you comfortable in the first round, top 12 of a 12-team Roto League? Four. Tatis, Turner, Tatis, Story, Turner Lindor. Story, Lindor. Are all 10 of these top five-round picks? Uh, I would say so. You know, I think I have to rank Mondesi there, but I don't think you'll see, see him landing on my team. But if you want him, you got to take him in the top five rounds. Yeah. yeah. And, Anderson, Anderson might slip a little bit. He's grossly underrated in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Grossly, grossly underrated. All right. Fair enough. There you go. Scott's top 10 shortstops for 2021. All right, guys. We're just about at halftime here. Like I said at the start, head over to rotoballer.com and check it all out. Sign up for that MLB premium package using the promo code KING or the promo code ACES and get these rankings and all the sortable rankings, the DFS uh, cheat sheets, uh, the printable rankings, you name it, rotoballer.com has you there. Get their draft guide and all the fun stuff in those that MLB premium package. Scott? Yes? Oh, I thought you had something to add. I saw you raise your hand. You were just no, I was just pointing up. at the camera, you know, doing my There you go. There you go. Thing, you know, get that Roto Baller premium. <laughs> Roto, you, know, you got the shirt on. Season pass, you know. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. But like I said, sign up for that. We're going to take a quick break. It's halftime. When we come back, we got tons of football to talk about. Second-year quarterbacks, FFPC Dynasty Orphan Teams, great article Scott just wrote up, and more. This is the King and Pocket Aces, brought to you by rotoballer.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the second half of the King and Pocket Aces show. If you stayed with us through all the baseball talk, well, now it's time to pivot and time to talk a little fantasy football. As you know, over at rotoballer.com, the football never ends, and it never ends here with the King and Pocket Aces. In fact, the king himself, Mr. Scott Angle, you just put an article up over at rotoballer.com discussing the FFPC, some dynasty orphan teams over uh, at the FFPC. And uh, and I'm just going to sit back and hear what you have to say about this, because I'll be honest, the, the article caught my interest, caught my eye. So let's see what you got going on. What's going on over there at the FFPC? Well, of course, you're right. I guess, you know, I'm doing something right there. You know, that's there you my go. intention. Uh, first off, if you want to get in the FFPC, you go to the rotoballer.com slash FFPC, that's rotoballer.com, slash FFPC. And when you can register there through a special office of Rotoballer that gives you a nice discount to get in. And then you have all these unclaimed dynasty teams that they're selling, and you get a discount on a lot of those because, uh, you know, uh, the people who previously had those teams – are putting them up for sale. And to me, it's a different way to play dynasty 
because there's a certain thrill to like building the dynasty team and having it win, but there's also a unique challenge to t- taking over a team that needs to be reworked or rebuilt and then taking it to a championship. It's kind of like, and I use Jerry Jones as the photo because when Jerry Jones took over the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, were at the end of that very successful era, but then starting to dive, you know, to the point where they were one win team. Uh, And then Jerry took over, you know, I might be mixing up the timeline a little bit, but the Cowboys were heading downward and he took over the team and they won three Super Bowls. And it's your opportunity to do something like that, where you take over a franchise, you introduce yourself as the new owner and say, I'm going to turn this ship around and you can dive in right away. Now, since 1996, though, Jerry has not done anything because he drove Jimmy Johnson away and he hasn't won anything since. So if you're sitting there, you're watching the Cowboys or your favorite team, you're getting frustrated every year and thinking, well, I can take over a franchise and do better. That's your opportunity. And the really cool part about it is there are so many fantasy players that love to make trades. If you jump into a team that already has a roster and it has some semblance of a core that you can build, like if it has three good running backs but maybe needs another quarterback and a super flex, you can jump right in, buy it right away, and start trading right away and rebuilding the teams right away. You don't have to wait for the draft. You can get in right now on a dynasty team, take over ownership instantly, and rebuild the team right away in your vision. And the cool part is a lot of these teams come at a discount. So if you buy a $77 dynasty team for $39, or you buy a $500 team for $249, and you end up rebuilding it and you cash out, you end up making more of a profit. So it's it's a unique challenge, and you know I'm looking at one buying one or two teams myself because I know I can turn them around. Because last year in the FFPC uh, Dynasty League Superflex startup, you know I won the championship on the first crack. Nice. So yeah, so check out the article over at Rotoballer.com. It's right there on the football page, courtesy of Scott Angle. So uh, check it out and get involved. Get in the league. Like Scott said, at a discount. Now, Scott, you mentioned Jerry Jones and you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys. Before we talk about some second-year quarterbacks, Dak Prescott can certainly buy himself a team at, uh, uh, heading into now this season as he is a $40 million man average salary signing a four-year $160 million contract. I mean, I mean, we know Dak's fantasy value with the wide receivers he has, C.D. Lamb, um, Amari Cooper. Was there ever any doubt, though, to you, just real quick, of Dak Prescott leaving the Dallas Cowboys? Not really. Uh, and, you know, some people question whether he's worth that because he's only won one playoff game. But, you know, the guy is obviously very talented. And you can't point to one person when you say they've only won one playoff game because it is a team sport. Uh, I do think Dak has to prove he can win in the clutch, though, and you know win those playoff games. Uh, you know Lamar Jackson's got to you know has stuff to prove. Even Russell Wilson has something to prove at this point of his career. But 
to get a quarterback of that caliber in the NFL is very, very hard. And I was talking about it last week, two weeks, when we were talking about Russell Wilson. You know, it's Sean Payton says the quarterback pilots the plane. Everybody else just sits in it. And in order to really compete over a good uh, amount of years, you have to have a top quarterback. And for those of people like, oh, just get rid of Dak, just get rid of Russell Wilson, you know, stuff like that. How are you going to replace them? Very, very hard to replace it. The Athletic did a story this week. There are 22 quarterbacks drafted in the first round from 2000 to 2016. All of them are with other teams now. Yeah. They've all, they've all, it's very hard. A lot of first round quarterbacks bust. If you end up with a franchise quarterback, I would say slightly less than half the teams in the NFL are happy with their quarterback situations. And it's a very important piece of the puzzle, people. Look, yeah. going to get paid that much. And, you know, there's a lot of stats out there when quarterbacks get paid much. It hamstrings the rest of the roster. But that's so hard to find because the quarterbacks you're not going to pay. You get lucky they're either on rookie contracts or you get what you pay for. Yeah. Now, talking about not having to pay, let's get into some – And if he's healthy, he's a, he's a top four fantasy quarterback. Absolutely. I agree with you on that, especially with those wide receivers and that offensive line. Now, that being said, teams now, last year, uh, second-year quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, and Jalen Hurts came out just this week that the Philadelphia Eagle management has decided, but they're being told by ownership, hey, let's not draft and create a quarterback controversy. Let's build around Jalen Hurts. So we'll talk about all four of these quarterbacks, but let's start there in Philadelphia. Um, seven, almost 71 rushing yards per game he averaged. He only completed 52% of his passes, but he's that mobile quarterback now that everybody loves. What is your fantasy outlook? Where do you, where do you see him? Is he a top 15? Is he top 12? Is he top 10? Heading into 2020, now that we know the job is essentially Jalen Hurts' in Philadelphia. I got to sit down and really flesh out my ranks. And I'm going to have best ball ranks upcoming shortly on rotoballer.com. But he's, he's in that top 10 to 12 because as good as he looked, and I've said this before, uh, you know, playing as the guy from the beginning of the season when defenses have watched film on you, especially defensive coordinators when you're on division and you're doing it from the get-go is a lot different than coming in at the end of the year and lighting it up a little bit. That shows potential. But then to start from the beginning of the next year is a whole different ball game. So we're going to have to play wait and see here. We know he's mobile, uh, but is he any better of a passer than Lamar Jackson? We, we, we don't know that yet. Lamar Jackson has won an MVP, but he sort of regressed last year. Uh, you know, what are they going to surround him with in terms of playmaking at tight end? In tight end, he's got Goddard, but you know, what happens at wide receiver there? Well, I was going to uh, ask you, Jaylen, do they need to bring him in a wide receiver, whether they, through the draft or free agency? They have to. And it's, it's you know, salary cap-wise, you know, they're going to have to make a lot of adjustments because you can't go out there with Travis Fulgham and Jalen Rager and expect that to be enough for the kid. You know, you got to get yeah. 
somebody reliable. This is a team that, you know, needs a proven, dependable pass catcher, somebody that he can rely on that can challenge defenses. Ideally, you would say an Allen Robinson, but I don't think they're going to have the salary cap room. But then again, we're going to see a lot of salary cap frenzy in the upcoming weeks, and sometimes teams are going to clear capital in order to make room for what they need. So I can't assume that, you know, it'd be, that'd be ideal just from a player fit perspective to get a Juju Smith, or even better an, an Allen Robinson for a kid like this. Uh, I think he's got a lot more to prove to me. I can't draft him as my fantasy starter, but I think if I draft him as in that very back end and then get a decent backup, like if I was to say get, I would end up with Hurts and Tannehill, I'd be fine with that. I agree. Because I know I can fall back on Tannehill, or if Hurts does really good, then I can just trade Tannehill, yep. you know, or some, something, something in that regard. I wouldn't take Hurts over Matthew Stafford, you know, in a much improved situation. But teams are going to clear cap space. You know, it's everybody had fun making their fantasy trades with uh, Russell Wilson, but – the Seahawks cut Doc Carlos Dunlap. That's that's a significant cut. They save fourteen million dollars in cap space to do that, and I think they're going to reinvest that in an offensive lineman, which is what, what Wilson wants. And these are the kind of things that you're going to see. Losing Carlos Dunlap, I he he made a big impact on that defense when he came over. So, but and this shows that you know with the salary cap and where it's at that a lot of teams are going to have to make a lot of tough cuts and a lot of tough decisions. And I think, you know, the Eagles might have to do that in order to get Jalen Hurts some help. Yeah. I mean, they could just draft the wide receiver, Devonta Smith, uh, one of the young kids. There's tons of young talent coming out. Yeah, but of the then you're going to have three unproven receivers with him. Yeah, I mean, you could. I mean, it's, it turns into a real big uh, rebuild on that offensive side with the second-year quarterback. But you're not going to you're not going to help the kid. You don't want to put him in a Cam Newton like situation where Cam Newton always had guys. You wonder if they were going to blossom. You know, you 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 don't want that. You know, you don't want a Devin Funches type of situation. No, that no, that I agree with. Yeah, you don't want a Devin Funches situation. So Scott, let's talk about Justin Herbert of the Chargers now. Now he walked into that great spot, right? Because he had that premier wide receiver. He had the Keenan Allen. Uh, waiting there for him, and Keenan Allen went off, and we know Justin Herbert went off. He was the best of the rookie quarterbacks. Um, are, are we drafting him top five? I mean, are we buying that Justin Herbert hype so much that we're going to justify drafting him as, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, after that group, Aaron Rodgers, right after that top three or four? Are we now talking about Justin Herbert for next year and year two uh, with a new offense, remember, new head coach, new coaching system there for the Chargers? I think, you know, if you wanted to tell me top eight, I'm fine. Top five, I'm not. As impressive as the rookie year was, we didn't even think Herbert was going to play, and then he came mm-hmm. in against Cincinnati when Tyrod Taylor got hurt. And he didn't he get hurt. He got, back. got attacked by his, you know, punctured lung by the medical staff. What a yeah. tough way to lose your job, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know you feel for the guy, but now he'll probably be back up somewhere else. Mm. Uh, I never thought Taylor was the answer anyway for the Chargers. Still was a very upsetting way to see him lose his job, but 
it was more than just having Keenan Allen. Even when Keenan Allen was hurt, Justin Herbert was making other guys like like uh, Jalen Guyton look good. Yeah, you know, so that to me, that's the sign of a really uh, promising quarterback is that you ele- the, the role of the quarterback is to elevate the level of the play of your teammates. And that is what Justin Herbert has already shown me that he can do. And that he's gutsy. I remember late in the year, I think it was a final game where, you know, he was, he was, uh, you know, he had that quarterback sneak, even though they lost the game, I think. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I remember he's a little foggy on it, but on the exact play, what it is, I'd have to go look back and I don't want to misquote it. But he wasn't surrounded by a lot last year, and he just showed tremendous guts. You know, very, very gutsy kid, uh, hung in the pocket, made all the right throws, showed a very strong arm, precision, accuracy, a little bit of mobility, and the willingness to dive for the quarterback sneak and near the goal line when he had it. So very, very impressed with Justin Herbert, better than I expected. If you want to draft him as a top seven fantasy quarterback, I'm not going to argue with you. Over 4,300 passing yards in 15 games. Yeah, a lot Over, of rookie, uh, a lot of records he set too. Six, almost a 67 percent completion percentage. He essentially was two out of every three passes completed. 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Is Justin Herbert in the right situation? Are we looking at like? Here's my question all the time with a second year guy. Like, how much better could he get? Like. Is he 35? Is he 40 touchdowns? I mean, that's a tough number for any quarterback to hit. Like, you know, Justin Herbert, if Justin Herbert's career matches his rookie season, it's a tremendous career. Well, you know, again, like I said with Jalen Hurts, although although Justin Herbert was a starting quarterback for most of the year, there's still the period where, Okay, where do we go from here? Is there more upside, like you say, or would he regress? Mm-hmm. You know, it's that has to be played out on the field. So I do think there is upside, but I don't feel there's a lot of room to go downward with him. So I at least think he's going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. I, don't, I just don't see much regression for Justin Herbert. I, I do agree with that. He's a top 10 top seven, and if he does take a step and approaches 40 touchdowns, well, now maybe we're talking about top five. Now, what about Joe Burrow, Scott? Uh, the first overall pick a year ago, got played 10 games, 65% completion percentage, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions, but devastating knee injury. Not anything he can't come back from, but nonetheless, his rookie year was cut short, ACL surgery. Are we comfortable – drafting him as our starting quarterback next year or because of the knee and because of the uncertainty playing for that Bengals offense, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. Is he a quarterback two in your draft with probably more upside than any other quarterback two you could possibly draft? If he's healthy and we'll have to wait and see, and we have that luxury of time right now before we get to the summer, if he's anywhere near healthy, Joe Burrow can be somebody that you stream with a lot of confidence, a very high-end quarterback number two, because I believe at one point he was like fantasy quarterback eight at some point before, just before he got hurt because 
there's a lot of volume. You know, he's he's not afraid. He's he, he's a he's a gunner, and he's not going to hold back. And the way the Bengals' defense played forced him to throw a lot. And he's got some really promising pass catchers there. AJ Green is gone, uh, but to me, AJ Green was done anyway. I think there's a lot of other. Tyler Boyd's very underrated. T. Higgins was a promising rookie. You know, they they have some other talent there. Uh, so to me, it's just a question of health. Yeah. Uh, and if he's healthy, I would be surprised to see him be uh, you know a top twelve fantasy quarterback. I, I agree. Somebody I draft outside the top 12 with an obvious opportunity to skyrocket up there and become, maybe you don't draft them as your QB one, or maybe you draft them round 12, two guys very late and you stream, like you said, but somebody who could become a mainstay in a fantasy lineup next, next year. Now the last second year quarterback I want to mention is obviously Tua of the Miami Dolphins. Scott. Now the only one of these rookie quarterbacks to give his team a winning record, he was six and three as a starter. Okay. Yet at the same time, it was 64% completion, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions. Although with Ryan Fitzpatrick hanging over his shoulder last year, he was often taken out of games and Ryan Fitzpatrick then came in. Well, Fitzpatrick won't be back in Miami. There's all sorts of trade rumors circulating around Tua. Is he the key piece in what will eventually be a Deshaun Watson trade? Who really knows? But nonetheless, is Tua a quarterback next year, maybe in a best ball league now or in a, in a keeper league? Do we trust Tua? A lot of people were down on him. I didn't think he was that bad. But nonetheless, he's the one out of all the second-year quarterbacks. There's more question marks circulating Tua than any of the other ones, Scott. I mean, he was 6-3 and three because that was a very good Miami team around him. Uh, you know, the credit to Brian, Brian Flores – uh, to me, I thought Brian Flores was the coach of the year. Because okay. I could go along with that, yep. Yeah. I think he really didn't have as much talent uh, on the offensive side of the ball as my, as Cleveland did. And he's just – I'm very impressed with the way he's turned away that franchise around, the culture of it. You know, for very long it's been a mediocre organization – and they haven't re- haven't had a good quarterback at all since Dan Marino retired. Ryan Fitzpatrick, people love him because they don't expect a lot out of him. And whenever he performs well and does something exciting, it's a great story because he's just you don't expect it out of him. But we still saw, you know, he walked into a game late in Denver through a game ceiling interception. He's erratic. Uh, Tua was asked to be a game manager, and I think he did a decent job of that, but he really didn't show hardly any playmaking ability uh, at all. And he's not that mobile either. There, there was nothing to get excited about when watching two at all last year. And I can't even see drafting him in fantasy at a quarterback number two right now. If he improves, you'll pick him up off of waivers and you still keep him there in the dynasty league. But to me, he, he was – among all those second-year quarterbacks, he was the biggest disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. And somebody to monitor because, you know, you said it, not many first-rounders uh, survive year after year. And you've got four guys here that we mentioned today, and two might be the one who doesn't 
work out or, or doesn't end up being the guy in Miami. And I, I do think, though, Scott, Miami gives them one more season before they – I think they do, but, you know, they bring in a veteran to, you know, give them something there. You know, maybe Miami's a nice fit for Alex Smith mm-hmm. if, uh, if Tua doesn't get the job done. But it's also a curse, too, you know. The Jets and the Dolphins are both cursed. You know, the you know, Dan the curse of Dan Marino. Uh Marino sold his soul to the devil and said, if you let me uh just rack up all these numbers, you know, the Dolphins will never have a quarterback in numbers. That's just like Joe said to the devil, he said, The devil, if you let me and guarantee me this one <laughs> The Jets will never win again. I'm good with that. There it is. And that's exactly it's exactly what happened. The Jets are in year 50, uh, 52 of their rebuild. All right, everybody. We are just about out of time here on the King and Pocket Aces. Special thanks, everybody. Whether you watched on YouTube or wherever you listen to our podcasts, we appreciate it. Guys, we said it a couple of times. Head over to rotoballer.com. Sign up for that MLB premium package or whatever premium package you're interested in. Uh, we know Scott and Sean Angle do a great job. Sean's our super producer here. Do a great job with the NASCAR work over at rotobola.com. MMA, esports, PGA, baseball, football, basketball, DFS, or season long. Uh, you see Scott's promo code right there on his hat. Promo code King. Letting him know Scott sent you. Promo code Aces here for me. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scott E. The King. Follow me at A. Aniano Fantasy. Scott, as always, the King of Pocket Aces, a fun uh, evening of fantasy sports talk, my friend. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time right here. King of Pocket Aces brought to you by rotoballer.com.